0: We made it. It is the end, close to the end of week 15 fantasy semifinals. If you had Josh Allen, if you had Jalen Hurts, if you had David Montgomery, if you had Stefan Diggs, congratulations. You're probably in a fantasy championship. If you had Mike Davis, if you had DK Metcalf, if you had Amari Cooper, odds are. Your season is finished, and severe, severe condolences to you for that. Welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I am your host, Ed Bertzel. As you are probably aware by now, this is not Adam and his usual shtick of hello and welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Caster, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ed Burtzel. Mr. Burtzel, how are you? That kind of spiel. Adam's not here. He will be back tomorrow for the Week 16 Waiver Show, but... We are joined by someone who has been on the podcast before and knows his thing or two about fantasy football. It is, of course, Chris Corbett. Hi, Chris.
1: Hello, Mr. Purcell. How are we doing today? I, uh, you obviously know that today is a pretty sad day for me as a Jet fan, but uh, oh. I'm here I'm here anyways, and I, we'll get to that later. But um, but I'm excited to be on. Yeah.
0: See. I think I brought you on. I think it's a good thing that I brought you on because this is like the perfect opportunity for you to vent your frustrations as a New York Jets fan about how completely dysfunctional they are as a franchise. And we'll get to the Jets. Oh, don't you worry. And I will let you have your moment. Thank you. So as we begin the program for fantasy semifinal, let's go into just some general discussion before we get into the game. So, if we're looking at everything that happened this week, this weekend on just a much broader scope, I mean, this was a huge weekend for a lot of quarterbacks. A huge, huge weekend. Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Ryan Tannehill, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson all had near and around 30 points. I mean, unbelievable weekend for for those quarterbacks. You look at some running backs, David Montgomery, Tony Pollard, who we'll talk about. I'm sure at length when we get, when we talk about the Cowboys, Ezekiel Elliott was ruled out an hour and a half before game and nobody saw that coming. It was a mad rush to pick up Tony Pollard and man, did he deliver. And if you started Tony Pollard, odds are you're in a fantasy championship as well. The receivers, I got to say, Chris, it definitely was a down week for receivers. If you're looking at receivers that placed, in the top 10 of all players scoring for the week, only one is in there. That's DeAndre Hopkins, who nine catches, 169 yards and a touchdown versus the Eagles. He's the only one that came in the top 10. You have Marvin Jones in there. You have Stefan Diggs on the outside looking in. Zach Pascal, who I can guarantee you nobody started. But other than that, you aren't even looking. You're looking at a total of four receivers inside the top 20. In terms of scores for the week, so it generally was a pretty down week for receivers, just in general.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I think also uh, looking at just the top scores there at receiver, one one name is is missing that is always there, and that's Devontae Adams. He definitely kind of kind of screwed over fantasy owners a little bit. Uh, I think he had about twelve fantasy points. Something um, along those lines, yeah. Yeah, one, obviously Julio Jones being out for fantasy owners who had him, uh, another another week of just frustration. But Calvin Ridley did deliver with uh, 10 for 163 and a touchdown. So um, if you managed to get into playoffs with him, which I'm sure a lot of people did, he had a pretty solid year. Um, uh, he definitely definitely benefited there.
0: And even if you were without Julio Jones and you needed a, a backup plan you know, right off the rip and you saw Russell Gage, that was there who odds are was one of your most highly projected players on your waiver wire. He even came through five for 68 and a touchdown. He had a really, really nice day. And if you were looking uh, at picking him up and you did, and you started him, congratulations for you. Cause you odds are had a pretty, uh, a pretty successful time at doing that. And if you look at the tight ends, it's, it's the tight ends. It's just kind of what they are. If you started Logan Thomas, congratulations. He had a monster day. Yep. Um, I, I, believe I had said on the program on Friday that I didn't trust any Washington offensive player that wasn't Terry McLaurin and if you started Logan Thomas then you know really good for you because 15 targets 13 receptions I mean that that that's a monster monster day but if you look outside of that in terms of guys that you were 1000 percent starting you know, Darren Waller with the 30, Travis Kelsey with a 22, Mark Andrews with a 17, Hunter Henry with a 17. And then it's just kind of like guys that you're taking you're taking kind of flyers on. If you want to put Noah Fant in that category, you can 20-point day for him. But outside of that, the bigger name tight ends, like I know a lot of people were very high on Rob Gronkowski. He laid an egg with a five. I know a lot of people are very high on Jared Cook, myself included. He laid up a four. Evan Ingram had an eight. So it really was, you know, the locked and loaded name tight ends that didn't really show up. And if you, you know, went the waiver route and you started a Jordan Reed, if you started a Dalton Schultz, if you started an Austin Hooper or a Tyler Higbee, they came through for
1: you. Yep. And it's just becoming, uh, it's, it's almost like a microcosm of just what the tight end position is now it's just on a week to week basis. You have no idea what you're getting from 75% of the tight ends that are going to be starting in your league. I mean, it's, it's coming down to whether or not your guy gets in the end zone or in Logan Thomas's case, it comes down to, you have Dwayne Haskins throwing, I think 55 passes. So of course he's going to be the beneficiary of that. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I mean, the guys like uh, take Hayden Hurst for example, Austin Hooper. I think both of them had good weeks this week. Yeah, both in the end zone. I'm not sure if Hunter Henry got in the end zone, but yes, he did. Um, in, in, in general, generally speaking, his best weeks are when he's getting in the end zone. Um, those type of mid-tier, back-tier tight ends, um, your, your mid tight end ones and back-end tight end ones. It's when they get in the end zone, you're happy. But when they don't, it's a, it's a done. Um, I think. Mike Kosicki's absence was definitely felt this week for, I know a lot of people that were in the championship game. Um, he had been playing fantastic this, this past couple of weeks um, with Tua finally stretching the field a little more, but um, yeah, that's tight end. has just become a, a frustrating position every single year, unless you have Travis Kelsey or Waller.
0: Yeah. Or even if you have a George Kittle in and you had him in, in previous years, you know, he's even been a locked and loaded play, but he hasn't been that this year, of course, with the, uh, with the injury. We actually had a question that I'm very happy that you were on the show for. And it comes from a listener who has asked, Chris, this is mainly for you because I don't know what this is. I don't know what, you know, not missing the playoff, missing the playoffs in a keeper league is. So the listener asks, what should you be doing? If you are outside of the playoffs, you didn't make the playoffs and you're in a keeper league, should you be looking at future assets? You'd be trying to sell some of your assets in future sort of deals. Obviously you can't do any trades right now, unless you're in a league where trade trading in the playoffs is okay, which in that instance, tell your commissioner to stop what he's doing and make sure there are no trades going on in playoffs. Yes, I am talking to somebody. Anywho. What, Chris would you be recommending for that owner to do in this instance where he is watching these playoffs go down? he's not in it, his team is terrible and he's looking to try and potentially do something with whatever he has in preparation for a long off season and then getting to May, June, July and then draft season in August, you know with what he has.
1: So let's just say, like right, like right now, and week after right week, now. 15 going into week sixteen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're obviously first. You're just gonna go to the teams that are in the in the championship, and, and you're gonna see if you can shop some of your assets for draft picks or potential keepers that they maybe are stashing on their bench. Um, so obviously, it depends. It depends on like what um, what the two championship teams' rosters look like if they have a. a, a clear hole where and you have a guy that has a great matchup in the championship i i would go to him immediately um but being that it is kind of late in the season it, it, it is it is kind of tough to um, to get an owner um that would be willing to trade all these picks when they already know that they've probably are at least secured well they've obviously at least secured second place um if there is a money prize in the league they've already secured that um so getting them to, to trade a, a higher end traffic might be tough for future for the future though um this is something you want to look at earlier in the season this is how how i did it this year i was like one in seven and i just knew the playoffs were just unrealistic michael thomas was just rotting on my bench um and i knew that there was just no way without him i wasn't coming back i had some bad draft picks and. And T. Y. Hilton, who picked it up now, and Marquise Brown, who picked it up now. But I mean, throughout the whole year, I could I couldn't win with them. They were putting up less than five points a week. Um, so I went and I and I was able to shell out some some of my assets to get draft picks then, um, because an owner might be a little more. Willing when they know they have this good team that's going to go in the playoffs, but they there's a little more unpredictability with their roster going forth. They could have some injuries here or there. But at this point now, if they've made it to the championship, the odds that they have a hole are, are lower um, and the odds that they're going to look to go make a trade where they get rid of, you know, valuable assets to um, to acquire a certain player, it might be a little lower. So it might be tougher. Um but you always just want to shop. That's the key. You just want to shop around your assets. You don't have to make any deals, but you just want to see what's on the table. Um, see if you can get some mid round draft picks, see if you can maybe get a guy that, um, might be entering the free agency market this year and might end up on a new team. Um, and you could potentially keep him then for a back-end pick if he'd been drafted back there. So a lot of different things to keep in mind there, but, um, Always just keep shopping those assets. That's the key. That's what I did this year, and it ended up working out. I was able to acquire some picks and some players. So,
0: I would say this. I think it's something that isn't talked about enough, especially when we're talking about leagues where there is trading allowed in playoffs. If you make a deal with someone, if you're a bottom-feeding team, and you are doing that and you're trading away future assets. Of course, this isn't a keeper league in, in a redraft league. This cannot happen, but in a keeper league, there is more flexibility in terms of this happening, where if you're the last place team and you are trading with a team that is in the championship, your trade is going to be dissected, gutted. It's go- it's going to be looked at so closely by everybody in the league, not, not just the commissioner, not just, if there's a trade review board or anything like that, not just them, we're talking about everybody in the league in general, there is going to be so much breaking down by, by literally the nth degree of what this trade is, because yeah, you are trading with a team that is in the championship. Obviously, if you're trading with a team that maybe they're playing in a third place game or they're playing in a consolation game, you know, it may not matter as much, you know, they might just say, you know what, you know, fine, whatever. But if you're, trading with a team that's in the championship and that championship team, let's just say you're in the last place and you are you have that 1 and 12 team and you are trading them, let's just say it is someone like Calvin Ridley. Let's just say. And you're trading that championship team, Calvin Ridley, for a ton of future assets, which you could get. Odds are the commissioner is going to say One of two things. One, he's going to say, no, that could also be a likely possibility. Or number two, the commissioner is going to say, "Okay, if you want to do this deal, you're going to have to fork over at least a quarter of whatever your league fee is for next year. Just to ensure that yourself or the person that you are trading with doesn't just win a championship and then bow out and say, you know what, I'm done. And the person gave up a first round pick and a second round pick and just say, well, I won a championship. I'm done. So at the end of the day, what I would always recommend is keeping it low key for now. I wouldn't be making any trades right now, but I think what Chris said is a good point in terms of try and figure out what's there, figure out what can help your team where this time next week or on Tuesday of next week, when this when the season, hopefully, if we don't have any cancellations or anything like that, when the season odds are they're done in your league, then it's off season. Then you could just start trading assets left, right, and center. You could do whatever you want to do. So I would for now send out some flyers. Look at what you may want or what you want to do with your team. Look at potential keepers that you may want to go out and get. If you're stuck in a position where you don't have a lot of future assets, then you have to go out and try and get something. I know what I did for uh, my keeper league team last year was I did not have a keeper that I really wanted, and I knew it. And I was talking about throwing around, you know, Ronald Jones as a keeper or, you know, I had Josh Allen and I was thinking about keeping him. And, you know, it looks kind of bad now, but I ended up keeping Allen Robinson, DK Metcalf. Both those guys were acquired in offseason trades, one of them being with Mr. Chris. So there there are plenty of options out there, and it really is about being patient because I don't think that someone is going to be making a trade, especially in a keeper league. I don't think someone's going to be making a trade in December, but if we get to may or June, when odds are most keeper owners know what they want to do, and they know the construction of their team by now and what guys they want to keep, then you you start really in a good position to dissect each team and say, okay, if you're allowed two keepers, there's three guys you want to keep. I'll take one of those guys off of your hands and, you know, you're done. And that, that's usually how I would do it is waiting for the owners to decide what they want to do with their teams. And once you figure that out, then you're able to go in and get what you would, uh, what you would, what you would want to get out of that deal. So now that that discussion is over with, let's go into these games. And like I said, it was, it was a weird weekend. It wasn't a normal, semifinal there were a lot of big time big time performances there were a lot of duds and in this buffalo denver game we'll start here saturday night or should i say saturday afternoon there were a lot of really good plays i mean we'll, we'll start with buffalo josh allen stefan Diggs talked about them devin singletary a lot of his work came on one play a 51 yarder cole beasley had a really really good game um Chris, we'll start with just talking about Buffalo very quickly. They go to New England, Monday night football next week. They're the end of the fantasy season will be Buffalo and New England. Stefan Gilmore left yesterday's game versus the Dolphins with a knee injury. My question to you how many leagues are going to be won off the back of Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen, and Cole Beasley?
1: It's that's a tricky question just because he, I, you still, is even the Patriots have nothing to play for. They're out of the playoffs. Stephon Gilmore's done, it looks like. Um, so it would seem that your Bills players have a, have a path to, to being fantastic next week. But this is still Bills-Patriots, and we know how those matchups tend to go. They, they tend to be these low-scoring defensive affairs with both head coaches mentally dueling it out. Um, a lot of clock management stuff going on. It it won't be as much like that, given the injuries and given how well Buffalo's offense is playing. Um, but I wouldn't go into this week expecting an explosion from any of them. I, I, I would, I would definitely temper the expectations just because especially now Bill Belichick has had the opportunity to play Josh Allen multiple times. Um, and we know that, everything that we've seen says that bill his defense at the very least will show up that offense is God, it's bad, but the defense, I, I think will show up, but this is still one of the best teams in football we're talking about in Buffalo. It, probably, the, if, if you had to ask me, I would say second best team in the AFC. Um, so I, I still think that, you know, obviously you're starting Allen, you're, you're starting digs and in, most cases, I think you're starting Beasley, too, um, just given the weekly upside he, he presents. But um, I wouldn't go into these weeks th- thinking that those players are going to definitely win you your fantasy championship this week.
0: Moving on to Denver, Melvin Gordon, two touchdown day for him. I ended up starting him in, in one semifinal, so that ended up working out quite well. Noah Fant, monster game from him. Uh Drew Locke was kind of Drew Locke, and you know, the questions are just gonna to continue to pour in about whether Drew Locke is going to be the guy for the Denver Broncos long term. Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, quiet days for them. Uh Chris, rank them in terms of how badly you would want to own them. Melvin Gordon, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick.
1: Well, I think just given the how Salina tight end position, Noah Fant would be the guy I'd want on this team. Um just because in games where Drew Locke has played, Noah Fant has consistently been the number one target on the offense um, when he's been on the field, at least. Um, obviously, he struggled with a lot of injuries as well. He's had some ankle issues, but I think Noah Fant would be the guy I, I would want. Um, Melvin Gordon, he, he had a good week, of course, this week, but two touchdowns, you're probably not getting that every week, of course. Uh, he did average five and a half yards per carry though, which is always promising for Melvin Gordon. Cause we know that is one of his problems. So I'd say fan first Gordon and then uh, the receivers. I mean, it's just, it's just a toss up. I mean, Judy hasn't shown the weekly upside. Unfortunately, Tim Patrick has scored some touchdowns, but then every once in a while you get a KJ Hamler bomb. and I just, this receiving core, I would just stay away from, um, uh, at least at least for this year next year maybe i, I think i still i think i still like jerry judy uh in the future um i think he's still a great route runner uh he's just in an offense right now that i think is 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 going through some some major struggles but
0: yeah obviously you're going to be starting no offense next week versus the chargers yeah, uh definitely. chris are you starting melvin gordon next week
1: i i would view him more as like a flex option I wouldn't view him as as a clear-cut starter.
0: Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I kind of feel like, you know, if you're in a bind and you need to start Melvin Gordon, you can. But, you know, of course, you wouldn't necessarily feel too great about that option. So, next game, we will move on to the Carolina Panthers and the Green Bay Packers, the other Saturday matinee. Whoa, 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 whoa. This was a dud all-around I mean, whew, if you were DJ Moore, then congratulations. I think DJ Moore and Robert Tunyon may have been the only guys in this game that could actually say, you know what, I did all right. Because the rest, yikes, yikes, well, Aaron, yikes. Aaron,
1: I think Aaron Jones had. Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones had. too. A, Aaron you know, Jones, too. That's fair. The rest of the Packers' receiving core was – and Rodgers himself was just tough to – Tough to have this week. Well,
0: let, let me let me just read this off if you want to get sick. And I think everybody else will probably be in the same bandwagon as well. Mike Davis, 8.1. Robbie Anderson, started pretty much across the board. Four. Four flat. Not a four point one or a four point two. No, no, no. A four flat. Oh, that hurts. Aaron Rodgers, 17. Against the Panthers, he was the number one quarterback of the week in a lot of places, for me included. And he has 143 yards passing. Granted, there were a lot of drop passes in this game from the Packers. A lot. But 143 yards passing, only dropped back 29 times. Oh, yikes. Yikes. Devontae Adams. What, what? 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 10 targets? Reels in seven for 42 yards? An 11.2? Doesn't score? That, yeah. that for me, honestly, when I saw that and I said, and I had just, you know, internally processed that Devontae Adams went a game in a matchup, which probably for him, was the best matchup that he's had maybe of the year. He puts up a dud. And that's when I knew that this week was going to be an ass backwards week. That was it. That's all I needed to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're expecting, especially the Panthers now or the healthy Teddy Bridgewater, no McCaffrey yet, but we've seen his offense play. Semi decent without him. You think they're gonna, you know, put up a little bit of a fight, and the Packers are gonna score. And I mean, one thing we do know about the Panthers is now for the past couple of years, their their rushing defense has been very very porous. I mean, they they have notoriously been Swiss cheese on the defensive line. They're just holes everywhere. Um, so I, I did kind of I kind of thought Aaron Jones might have a, a you know a bounce back week, considering he hasn't been the Aaron Jones we know and love as of late. But to predict that Aaron Rodgers would only have 143 passing yards, and Devontae Adams would average far less than 10 yards a catch and not score a touchdown. I mean, that I no one could predict that. That's especially in a matchup where, I mean, who was really guarding him? I couldn't even tell you. I <laughs> I don't I don't know.
0: His lowest yardage output for the season was 160 yards, and that came in the dud against Tampa Bay. Is Rodgers just – is this a, this is a jinx when Rodgers goes up against the NFC South that he just can't produce? Or – I mean, he had the rushing touchdown, which really saved him. Imagine if he didn't have the rushing touchdown. oh. Uh, this, was, this was bad. This was really bad. But I – Chris, I think we're both in agreement on this, and I don't think we'll spend too much time worrying about the Packers because they're going to be in a matchup next week where I think the leash will have to be taken off a little bit with this offense because they are going to be playing the Titans. You would expect that there's going to be a ton of points put up, whether it's by Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown, the best receiver in football, Corey Davis, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, there's going to be points put up in, in that game next week. And you would feel like that with that, you'll see better days from Rogers Adams. Um, and, and the like, I'm not going to say better days for Aaron Jones and Robert Tunyon. Cause we know Aaron Jones in a great matchup next week can go back to being 12 points where this was a matchup for Aaron Jones, which screamed he should be able to at least have a big day. And he did.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're starting all of them. You're like, <laughs> you're, you're starting Rogers, you're starting Jones, you're starting Adams probably starting Tunyon maybe even Lazard and in a bind maybe maybe not just because it's gonna be high scoring the Packers also very sneaky they don't necessarily have to win this game to get the one seed um if they beat the Bears they get the one seed that's the only thing that matters and the Titans have a lot to play for so I I wouldn't be surprised if we do see the Packers maybe maybe just taking some risks. Why not? Um, maybe unloading the playbook a little bit in terms of their, their deep calls. Um, but the Titans have a lot to play for, so I would expect them to definitely put up points.
0: Let's go now to the Sunday 1 o'clock slate, and we move into the very first game, which was very, very good. And for a very long time, it did not look like It was going to be very, very good. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons. Another Tom Brady comeback versus the Atlanta Falcons. Roses are red, violets are blue. The Falcons blow a lead against Tom Brady. Wells is new. Brady had a decent enough day, and he went into the half not looking good. He had three points at half, and he ended up having 22.8, so a very good day from Tom Brady. If you spot-started Leonard Fournette, Good spot play there. 14 carries, 49 yards, two touchdowns. Also reeled in three receptions. AB finally scored. That's good. That was, that's pretty good. Mike Evans had a nice day. Chris Godwin got into the end zone. Overall, the receivers, they all had pretty good days for the Buccaneers. And I don't think anybody would have been too unhappy unless you started Rob Gronkowski. And if you look at Atlanta, Matt Ryan, very, very, very good day. Finally from Matt Ryan. and old. Many people probably didn't start Matt Ryan, but if you did, then congratulations. You had Matt Ryan's first 20-point fantasy day since week nine, so good for you. Calvin Ridley is Calvin Ridley. Not much of a surprise there. Hayden Hurst had a nice day. Russell Gage had a very good day. Todd Gurley is terrible. Other news, sky is blue. So uh, what I want to focus on with this game is Tampa Bay, and they have a fantastic, Matchup next week against Detroit that just got carved up By Ryan Tannehill And company With the Tennessee Titans Chris Let's just say that Ronald Jones Is not going to play Let's just say he's not And it is Leonard Fournette Rank the skilled position players That you would start between Fournette Antonio Brown Chris Godwin, Mike Evans and Gronk?
1: It might be recency bias, but Mike Evans did in the second half. It seemed like him and Brady finally started to to click a little bit, um, even though he did have that little injury scare, but he came back. So I would start Mike Evans first. Um, I do think there's going to be a ton of points in that game too, so I think Mike Evans will get in the end zone, given how many red zone targets he gets. Um, Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin is such a toss up at this point. Oh my God, it is such a toss up. Um, I would start Fournette actually after Evans, then um, before Brown and Godwin. And then I honestly, if you're stuck between Brown and Godwin, I just flip a coin at that point because oh, who knows? <laughs> who knows what's gonna happen between those two?
0: For me, mine is actually it, it's it's different. I would actually start Leonard Fournette first over Mike Evans because I just okay, think that's, that this, that's
1: definitely fair yeah
0: this receiving core is again it's such a toss-up and I understand that you know these three had good very good days but when are we ever going to see all three of these receivers go off all at once I would I would rank it if it was me I would go Fournette I would go Evans then I would go Godwin then AB and then Gronk I would not want to start Gronk but if you have to it could be okay because it is Detroit, but you also need to keep in mind that the Buccaneers could be killing the Lions twenty-eight to three by halftime, and Leonard Fournette could be just pounding the rock for the second half, and there'll be nothing going the way of the of the receivers and the tight end. So, it's just something to uh, to consider on uh, on that front when considering the Bucks if you are going to go ahead and start them next week against the uh, the hapless, I guess, is a, uh, a very, very nice way of putting it, Detroit Lions. So we move. We go to the New England Patriots and the Miami Dolphins, arguably the snooze fest of the one o'clock hour. I think this was probably the game that nobody really wanted to watch, but was blessed to have the opportunity to do so. Uh, we'll start with New England. Uh, duds across the board. I doubt you started a Patriot. I really hope you didn't, but... If you did, you had a nice game out of Jacoby Myers. Great. Cam Newton sucks. Uh, And there was just nothing else from the Patriots to really talk about. You're not starting a Patriot next week at fantasy championships. Please don't do that. For the Dolphins, and this is where it does definitely get a little bit more interesting. You definitely had Matt Breida coming to life a little bit. Salvin Ahmed, a touchdown for him. Should have had two didn't Lynn Bowden, very nice game in PPR. If you were able to start him there as a flex to a, a solid enough day. I mean, I look, I'm not a Dolphins guy. I think that they are so, so incredibly boring, but please God, Derek Carr, stay away from that Vegas Miami game next week. Please give the state of Hawaii what they want. They have gone through enough in their history, in their time of being a state in the United States, please give them their shining moment that they absolutely 1 million percent deserve and let them see their homegrown sons battle it out. Marcus Mariota to attack the Honolulu bowl next week, please. I beg you. I beg you, Derek Carr.
1: That would be fantastic. But if that is to happen, I would say if you have the Dolphins' defense, I would fire them up. First off, their defense is just a turnover machine. I mean, they're forcing turnovers left and right. Xavion Howard has just been, he's going to be a Pro Bowl corner this year. He's just been fantastic.
0: And Byron Jones, Um, too. Byron Jones 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 is falling under the radar.
1: Byron Jones is fantastic as well on the opposite side, and it opens things up for Xavier Howard. He, he gets some match, he's some positive matchups for him, um, and he's just he's just making plays. I don't even know how many interceptions he has at this point. I think it's nine or ten now. I think it's ten. It's ten interceptions. Double digit, minus, double digit interceptions. Ridiculous. That just doesn't yeah, it just doesn't happen. He's superior athlete, athletically. Um, so that Dolphins' defense is great. And every once in a while, you get that nice Van Ginkle turnover, which seems to happen uh, every other week. So It's true. Um, yeah, if you have the Dolphins' defense, I would I would definitely fire them up against Marcus Mariota.
0: I would say that if Miles Gaskin does not return, you're probably going to be playing Salvin Ahmed. And if he's on your waiver wire, he should be priority numero uno for you if you weren't a fantasy championship going up against the Raiders. But what I want to turn this discussion towards is, of course, Tua. And if Tua does not have Devontae Parker or Mike Gasicki, who we'll call the two biggest offensive pieces that the Dolphins have in terms of the skilled positions, and let's just even say that there's no Miles Gaskin. So there's three guys now, probably the three most important offensive players outside of Tua on this offense. Are you going – do you trust Tua in this matchup to deliver? And, you know, if you want to dig even deeper into this, Preston Williams, out. Jakeem Grant, out. So you have your top three receivers who are almost likely not going to play. Do you trust Tua, Chris, to to start him in a fantasy championship if you have to at Las Vegas?
1: No, I don't. I, I, his number one receiver this week was Durham Smythe. <laughs> that Five receptions for 40 yards. Tua saved his – of course he was going against the Patriots. Obviously, you know Bill Belichick is going to have a great game plan against his rookie quarterback. That's his thing. Uh, Tua has saved his day with two rushing touchdowns, I believe. Yeah, he had two rushing touchdowns. Two rushing touchdowns. The last one was pretty nice, I will say. Um, but, no, I, I, I don't – I don't see a way in which to puts up over 20 points without a, maybe even two rushing touchdowns. If he gets one, he might be able to get there, but it's just tough. I mean, we're talking all of his top options are out. I mean, his aside from Jeremy Smythe just going up and down his targeted receivers. We have Lynn Bowden junior who actually not terrible. Um, Isaiah Ford Matt Ugh. Collins Adam Shahid and then Patrick Laird and, and Ahmed yeah. I just don't I, I don't even with how bad the Raiders the Raiders defense has been I just don't trust these guys to be open consistently and we've seen what they've done with Tua this year it's been it's been kind of a protect Tua kind of dink and dunk game plan dink and dunk let's get the ball out of his hands quick um, let's not have them throw into any tight coverages, any deep balls. Really, it's been let's protect them. So, I I, I, I would imagine that happens again. I think they're going to rely on their defense to win that game, as they sh- as they should, because um, their defense is fantastic. So, I, I would stay away.
0: Yeah, not a chance in hell. Could you say to me that you're going to justify starting to win a fantasy championship? I would put good money that there is someone else on waiver wire or on your bench. That is a better start than Tua. He barely would be a top 20 play for me next week. And I haven't put my ranks together yet. I'll have him for uh, for tomorrow's waiver show. But I will not have Tua. I will have him inside my top 20. I won't have him near my top 15. No no chance. No chance. Same with Cam Newton. Please do not start Cam Newton in a fantasy championship. I beg you. If you need me to tell you that, then I don't know how you're in a fantasy championship.
1: Run the other way.
0: Yeah. Please, please do not. Try and start any of the starting quarterbacks from this game in a fantasy championship. I beg you, please. So let's go to the other stinker of a game. And this was a stinker more so on one end than on the other the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Baltimore Ravens. Gardner Minshew was fine. You started him in a bind. Good for you. 15.9 fantasy points. Not a terrible day by by any stretch. I'm telling you, look, Gardner Minshew. He's talented as hell. And, you know, it's a shame that Jacksonville is going to be taking a quarterback in this draft, whether it's going to be at the number one or number two spot. They're going to be taking a quarterback. Uh, I think Garter Minshew does have a spot in this league. I, I don't know if he's going to be a, you know, a franchise guy somewhere else, but can he be a real quality backup? And can he be, you know, someone that's called upon in a spot start? And can he deliver? I absolutely think he can. And I think that he has a role. Uh, in the NFL on another team besides Jacksonville, who obviously will be taking a quarterback and whether it is the quarterback that all Jets fans have been dreaming about for the better part of the last year, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. hopefully, uh, hopefully the Jaguars will, uh, will Jaguar it and potentially uh, get a win over the next uh, over the next two weeks. But I, I highly doubt it going, up against Chicago with an Allen Robinson revenge game, and then having to go to Indianapolis, but they beat Indianapolis week one. So anything is possible. James Robinson, a nice game for him, caught a touchdown, but left this game with a, with a little bit of a knock and ankle injury for him. Um, if it's bad, then oof, that's tough. That's tough. Especially in a game where the Jaguars, basically this game was over with by halftime. And the Jaguars were playing for essentially nothing. Uh, if you lost James Robinson and you are somehow in a fantasy championship now with a hole at one of your running back spots, definitely tune into the waiver show tomorrow because we'll help you out in terms of trying to find guys that you, can, uh, you can go and get. But now let's talk about the uh, the good with the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Lamar Jackson, great. Once again, terrific. Mark Andrews, very good. Marquise Brown, very good. J.K. Dobbins scored again. What else is new? Start of the week for me. And that's his fourth touchdown in the last four weeks. Des Bryant, throw up up the X baby. Love to see it. My guys getting back in the end zone. That was absolutely just wonderful. And then outside of that, not much else. Uh, So if you're owning, if you have any of the Ravens, you're probably going to be starting them, especially if their names are Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, you're probably going to roll with them. I think really the big question here is what do you do if you're in a bind with someone like Hollywood Brown, who's been just hot and cold all year long? And do you continue to ride the hot hand, Chris, of someone like J.K. Dobbins?
1: Oh, yeah, I would definitely start J.K. Dobbins pretty much every single week. Um, Mark Ingram was a healthy scratch. That was was. that was interesting to me. Um, But. Yeah. I would start JK Dobbins every week. Just, he seems to be their, their red zone guy. Um, and I think they've just decided, they they kind of had that a little experiment going on with, uh, the three headed three headed monster with Ingram Edwards and Dobbins. And now it seemed to come down to just to Edwards is still getting work. Edwards has shown he's actually a, a very good back. Yep. Um, he's like top five in the league, I think in runs of 25 plus yards this year. Um, he's been really good, but, Dobbins is the guy getting the touchdowns and he's getting those big plays and he's putting up, he's putting up numbers. Um, so yeah, I think you're, you I think you're, you're firing them up um, as kind of a flex option, maybe a, an RB two, three type deal.
0: Going back to the discussion that we had at the top of the show, when we were talking about certain guys that you can go and target, if you're in a bind and you're in a, you have a one in 12 keeper league team, JK Dobbins is one of those guys. JK Dobbins is one of those guys that you can go and pick up. And I think you would have a real rock solid keeper for next year in terms of you're bringing on a guy that at the very least should rank in terms of preseason ranks for 2021 would I would probably rank him inside my top 20. So if you were to go and get him and you keep him at a cheap value, that's pretty good. I think I would that's something that I would definitely go and and in myself. So we move on to the next game on the menu, and it is the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Wow, Jonathan Taylor, welcome to the big time. He has looked terrific over the last few weeks, and he continues to get the job done uh, for the Colts. He is quietly becoming the lead back. For this Colts team. And it's about time that Frank Reich. Finally finally realize it. Phillip Rivers. You started him in a spot start. Good for you. He put up a Phillip Rivers type day. 16.9 fantasy points. Two touchdowns for him. Uh, T.Y. Hilton. Solid enough day. 11.1. That's good good enough for uh, for flex numbers. Michael Pittman has completely fallen off the radar. It seems like only three targets in this game. Uh, Zach Pascal. Two touchdowns for him on five receptions. He's not someone that I'm really looking to go and, and pick up at all, really. As we look at the Texans, Deshaun Watson, big day. Big, big day for, for Deshaun Watson. Kiki Kuti, nice day for him. Scored again. Chad Hansen much the same story. Scored again. Brandon Cooks, solid day. 11.9, nothing too terrible there. David Johnson. What? eleven? receptions <laughs> for a buck six what wh- what
1: yeah that is that was just mind-blowing I, I was watching red Zone and I, and I see that come up on the side and I was like hold on can we rewind that did that say receiving yards <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> me of David Johnson in Arizona 2015 DJ I was like whoa look at this
0: yeah, and to put the icing on top of the cake, Chris, he has the absolute softball of all softball matchups next week when he hosts the Cincinnati Bengals in Houston. My, oh, my, especially if Duke Johnson is out and it's David Johnson by himself. Wow. Wow. I agree. Wow. 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 I, I would probably, I would say coming into the week, he's going to be a top 24 play for me. And I would be firing up, firing him up wherever I can.
1: Yeah. I I 100% agree. Especially if dude Johnson is out, this is also something to keep in mind for next year. I think if the Texans are going to improve David Johnson, even though efficiency wise, the past two years on the ground, it's looked rough. He hasn't looked like himself, when given the opportunities in the passing game, he, he has shown he still can be a very, very good receiver. He's still a good route runner. He still understands the spacing. Um, so for next year, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, obviously we won't see 11 receptions for 106 yards, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see him a little bit more involved in the passing game. Um, the only thing you of course have to worry about with him is, is the injuries, but um as for next week, though, yeah, I think you're firing them up against the Bengals. I don't I don't see how you don't, um, especially given their inability to compete with Brandon Allen. Um, the Texans should be winning and, and, and running the ball um, pretty often in the second half of that game. So I'd fire them up.
0: And ter- in terms of the Colts as well, you, you're not going to be sitting Jonathan Taylor next week against Jacksonville. I think same with T.Y. Hilton. I think those are two oh, no. guys yep. if you're in fantasy. Championships, no. Fire them up. Fire and, them up. Especially and,
1: Jonathan Taylor. My yeah. God, you're, oh my. you're playing. He looks fantastic. Looks good. Yeah. And he's getting the touches, even in the receiving game. Four catches to Naeem Hines' two catches this week.
0: Yeah, he's, looking, he's looking like that he's finally turning into the bell cow back for the Colts. And that's been – look, coming into the year, that was the biggest thing with Jonathan Taylor was would he get the opportunity to show what he was capable of. And you were, if you were able to really wait 10-ish weeks – for Jonathan Taylor to really come out of his shell and become the bell cow back for these Colts. Congratulations. If you were able to to really afford it and you were able to wait on that to happen. And it did. So uh, good on any Jonathan Taylor owner that was able to wait for the Jonathan Taylor breakout in the year of our Lord 2020. So, Let's move on to another just a disaster of a game for the Detroit Lions. I mean, what isn't a disaster game at this point for this organization? I mean, this was just, oh, God. It it looked nice until it wasn't. This defense, this defense is terrible.
1: So bad.
0: This defense is laughable. It it is laughably, laughably bad. And I saw (laughs) – This made me laugh. It gave me a nice chuckle yesterday. I saw Marvin Lewis potentially being linked with the Detroit Lions job. Do they want to be just terrible for forever?
1: Oh, God. Uh, that's, That's a scary thing to hear.
0: Do they want to be bad for the rest of time?
1: I think they might, honestly. I mean, they just got absolutely destroyed on all levels this week. Ryan Tannehill. Almost a perfect passer rating, 20 of 27, 273 yards, three touchdowns. Derrick Henry, I mean, are we shocked? 24 carries, 147 yards, averaging over six yards a carry.
0: They're going to get him the rushing title again.
1: I mean, 100%. That's
0: it. That's what they're playing for now. They're playing for Derrick Henry. You get the rushing title.
1: Corey Davis, I mean, a lot of his yards came on that one play, but, I mean, he spun the corner around and made him look like he was still in the NCAA
0: Excuse me, I believe you uh, forgot to address Corey Davis by his proper Best name. Best wide
1: receiver in football.
0: Best wide receiver. Will in say, I will say,
1: Corey Davis has been fantastic this year. He he really has been fantastic this year. I'll um, take
0: a, I'll take a pat on the back for that one.
1: But across the board, Jonu Smith five for fifty two was good to see him get a yardage total that was higher than about twenty to thirty yards. <laughs> AJ, AJ Brown was. On the, on the quieter side, given that they scored 46 points, you would think, oh, A.J. Brown probably had like 120 yards, a touchdown or two, but he still got in the end zone um, and, and gave you close to probably 15, 16 fantasy points. So um, just down, across the board, just every Titans player you were happy with. And I think next week is the same thing for me. I, I'm, I'm firing them all up again against the Packers.
0: And I even look at the Lions and I say to myself, you know what? Marvin Jones, really, really good day. 10 for a buck 12 and a touchdown there. DeAndre Swift, two touchdowns on the day for him. These are probably the only Lions that you can trust consistently. T.J. Hawkinson, very, very quiet day. Had a fumble in this game. Not the best from T.J. Hawkinson, but I think, you know, still, you're not going away from TJ Hawkinson, he's gotten you pretty much to this point. If you're able to get into a fantasy championship, even though TJ Hawkinson laid an egg, yeah, you're gonna fire him up next week in a game which the Lions should be throwing a ton. So TJ Hawkinson, just go ahead and, and and fire him up. Titans, they play the Packers next week. I think every Titan should be started. Maybe j- not Jonu Smith, just because of the inconsistencies there. But Corey Davis, AJ Brown, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill for sure. They definitely definitely fire them up because they're going to be i would say if not home run plays very 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 close to being home run plays for week 16 fantasy championship week um let's go on to the game that i really don't want to talk about but we're going to go ahead and talk about it anyway because we are contractually obligated to and that is the san francisco 49ers and the dallas cowboys uh, why did Dallas have to win this game? Why did Dallas have to win this game? Why does Dallas have to win any game?
1: Andy Dalton is a stud. No, I'm just kidding. <sighs> I would never. Sorry. Um, you want me
0: to choke you? <laughs>
1: uh,
0: <sighs> um, I mean, Brandon Ayuk is a star. Oh Yes, he's fantastic. Brandon Ayuk is, is, is a star. He, he really is. And I, I understand they were really chasing this game for a large majority of it, but wow, 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 wow. He is very, very, very good. Um, Jeff Wilson fell into the end zone. So if you did start him on the uh, Raheem Mostert question mark hype bandwagon, you were, you were rewarded in uh, some way, shape or form. But the real problem here is both Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert left this game banged up. So now if we're looking at the running backs for the 49ers going into next week's game versus the Arizona Cardinals, you're looking at Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, and Kyle Juszczyk, if you want to call Kyle Juszczyk a running back, that are healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's one thing I think I've learned the hard way this year is that the 49ers backfield, this crew of guys is one that you're just going to want to stay away from. You're, you're not, you're not going to want to, I think, put yourself in a position where you're taking one. Like I took Raheem Mostert to be my RB two this year. Um, And not only is he struggling with injuries, but now he's back and he's seeding, the majority of the carries to Jeff Wilson who had more carries than him this week. It's, it's just frustrating given how the 49ers, um, approach each game. They are, are known for choosing one back one day and letting him go off and then just not using him the next week. And then now you have them splitting carries. It's just so unpredictable what they're going to do in the running game. Um, that I would just advise just staying away from them altogether, honestly, or or maybe stashing one of the um, one of the later round guys, like a guy like Jarek McKinnon, you could draft way late next year, just stashing him just in case you have the injuries. Now you have a guy that you could start as an RB two in, in in a pinch. But yeah. if
0: if you are, let's just say I'm not going to talk about Brandon Ayuk, keep him out of the discussion. Outside of Brandon Ayuk, is there any Forty Nine er you're going to start next week against the Cardinals?
1: No, I would I would say no. Um, it's it's in a, in a crazy pinch. Now, I, I even wouldn't even go near Jordan Reed, even though he scored a touchdown this week. Just the, the, the target distribution between him and Dwelly is just split kind of even right now. And you have Bourne, Ayuk, and, and Richie James all um, getting the majority of the targets. Shout out Kendrick Bourne for catching the most low-key of all Hail Marys this week.
0: True. The one that didn't even matter at the end of the day. Didn't even matter. And he still was able to get into the end zone. And if you started him in a very, very, very deep league, congratulations. Because, <laughs> wow, you got it. Um, As for Dallas, Tony Pollard, fantastic day. Two touchdowns, six catches for him. It, it's making the decision for me as to why Dallas signed Ezekiel Elliott to that monster contract extension, even more questionable because Tony Pollard really looks the part and he could start on more than half on any other NFL team and be the starting running back. No questions about it. CD lamb. Good game for him. Um, Michael Gallup, solid enough game scored Andy Dalton. Nice day. If you you strained him, congratulations for you because that ended up working out for you. Amari Cooper. Oh, 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 Lord. Wow. Okay. Uh, 2.3. Hmm. Okay. That happened. That was very bad. That was very bad for Momari. I would not be too concerned about it. I think that you're okay firing up, him up next week against the Eagles, especially if Darius Slay is going to miss the game. Because we just saw what happened when the Eagles play a football game without Darius Slay. They got absolutely cooked by the Arizona Cardinals. So you can go ahead and fire Amari Cooper up next week if you're in a Constellation game because you started him and he completely, completely fucked you. Yep, I agree. So we'll move on from this game swiftly. I mean, that was a very, very fun time talking about my beloved Dallas Cowboys, but they bring me such pain, it hurts. So anytime we get to talk about them and move on from them rather quickly, it brings me even more joy than (laughs) them in any way imaginable so we move on to the seattle seahawks versus the team the washington football team oh we move on from one disappointment to another don't we uh dk metcalf oh ooh, god yikes five for 43 we all thought he hurt his hamstring or his calf yikes big yikes and make matters even worse he goes home next week and has to go up against a very, 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 very angry Los Angeles Rams defense, namely one Sir oh, Jalen Ramsey. God.
1: Oh, God. That, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's um. – They're not going to be happy. You No. They are uh, – they're not going to be very happy, nor will uh, Jalen Ramsey will tolerate any bullshit, I'm assuming. So, I don't know. I, I think DK – do I dare say this because he's gotten you to this point. If you're in a championship and you have DK it, Chris, do I dare say that you can probably sit DK Metcalf next week? Is that even a a possibility?
1: I think if you have a crazy super team and you know, you have say you're in a two receiver league, you got three crazy running backs starting at your RB one, RB two flex, You got, two top 10 wide receivers. And then you also have DK Metcalf. Yes. But I think 12, 14 man leagues, you're, you're, you're starting him. And praying. Yeah. In the 10 man league, I think for the most part, you're starting him unless you have one of those top guys, but I would definitely temper the expectations. Yeah. Um, but I still think, you know, you're, 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 you, he's been your guy all year. You're in the championship. You got to roll with your guys at a certain point. Um, so yeah, I, I think I would I would just fire him up.
0: The East Coast woes definitely continue for Russell Wilson. Eight for twenty-seven, buck twenty-one, a touchdown and a pick. Um, it really sucks to see that Russell Wilson has just completely lost any hold of the MVP because starting the year, my God, Russell Wilson was the lock of all locks to win the MVP, and then he ended up playing the Rams in Week Ten, and that really was it. That, put a complete screeching halt on an MVP campaign, campaign for Russell Wilson. Uh, Carlos Hyde scored. Granted, it was on one carry where he did the most of his damage, but scored, so good for Carlos Hyde. Chris Carson, yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. 15 carries, 63 yards, 8.9 fantasy points for Chris Carson. Did I did not see that happening where Chris Carson just completely, completely struggled to get anything going. And I, I think he's hurt. I think he's playing hurt. He hasn't looked the same since he's come back from that injury. Something tells me that Chris Carson is not a hundred percent and he won't be a hundred percent until next season, Chris.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely could see that in all in all, I think this, this whole game for anybody who has a Seahawk player on their team was just the worst case scenario. You have Chris Carson with 15 for 63 and two catches, and he doesn't get the touchdown because it's stolen by Carlos Hyde on a 50-yard run. and That's so painful. Um, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett both have eh, days that could have been salvaged by a touchdown, but no. Jacob Hollister gets the touchdown. Um it, it just – this was the worst thing that could have happened. Russell Wilson would have had a complete stinker if it wasn't for 52 rushing yards. Um, that, that really boosted him back up. But, I mean, still not a very good day. Um, but, yeah, it's it's ugly. I would expect better days to come, though. I, I think they're they're going to have to figure it out next week in a, in a game that could ultimately decide the, the NFC West next week.
0: That, that they um, have to win. They have to the win that game, yeah. Play, plain and simple.
1: They do. They, they really do, especially um, considering home field for them seems to mean more because of how um, Russell Wilson struggles on the road and especially out of his own time zone. They need it. They, they, they need to win that division and get that home playoff game. Uh, so... I would, I would expect I would expect a better performance next week, but still I would I would temper the expectations from Carson, like you said, going against a tough tough Rams defense, um and 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 DK Metcalf as well,
0: and Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett had a stinker too.
1: Yeah, Ty- Tyler Lockett had a tough week. One of them you think would ha- is going to have to play well next week. Yeah. One of the three of them, if they're going to have a chance. And if I had to guess, I would pick Tyler Lockett that he's going to have one of those. Late in the season, Tyler Lockett catching deep balls left and right type games, catches a big touchdown, something like that. I would expect that um, out of any of them. So,
0: See, here's been the problem with Tyler Lockett this season. In a game in which he's not scoring a touchdown, here are Tyler Lockett's fantasy points. And I'll just read them out in games in which he has not scored. 17.2, week one. 5.9. 8.4, 7.3, 8.0, 11.6, 5.3, 12.3, 10.2, 7.4. 8.4, 7.3, 8.0, 11.6, 5.3, 12.3, 10.2, 7.4. That's awful.
1: I mean, take away the 50-point game from Tyler Lockett, and we're talking about and 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 reduce that to something more towards his median or average score, and we're talking about a, a player that maybe you wish you didn't have.
0: Yeah. And you're talking, he averages still with the big blow up games that Tyler Lockett has had this season of the 54 pointer, a 37 pointer against Dallas, 19 points, 21 points. He's still averaging around 16.1 points per outing for fantasy in PPR scoring. And he's still the number 10 receiver in fantasy. And he hasn't posted top 10 numbers. Consistently. He, he just hasn't. It's been four big games from Tyler Lockett and 10 others where they've been complete duds. He's not someone that really is trustworthy. And that's the problem that I've had with Tyler Lockett throughout. I'm not a big Tyler Lockett guy. I think you know that, Chris, firsthand, that I'm just not a big Tyler Lockett fan. And this is exactly why. He's just not consistent. And The numbers they tell a fine story about who Tyler Lockett is. He's a guy that's a big time boomer bust sort of play. He kind of he kind of reminds me of Tyreek Hill from a couple of years ago when it was Alex Smith, yeah. Yeah, when it was boom or it was horrendous.
1: Yep, I agree. Yeah, I think this is one one area where we do see eye to eye. I don't think I've ever seen you have Tyler Lockett on a team. Nope. I and I know well. you definitely have never seen me have Tyler Lockett on a team because I have not. never had him before. <laughs> um, he's too bust for me. I, I generally try to stay away from the Seahawks in general um, because of this exact thing that we saw this week. As good as Russell Wilson is, and I think he's 100% – top five quarterback he's elite he's fantastic when the end of the season comes sometimes you get this crazy russell wilson that has just godlike, like and then sometimes you get this russell wilson where you're like what is he what is going on isn't this guy like gonna be a hall of famer like isn't what i'm confused and it comes at the expense of the receivers then you have this these inconsistent performance from the receivers where you have no idea on a week-to-week basis what you're going to get. You're going to get ten catches for 150 yards one week, and then you're going to get two catches for 20 yards the next week. And it's like what? What? What do I do? Do I start them? Do I bench them? It's, it, it, it's, it's a
0: really tough decision. It's a really tough decision for anybody that has any one of the Seahawks next week because I don't. I honestly I don't know what I would do, and I'm very happy that I'm not in a position where I'm playing for a championship next week because I don't know what I would do having DK Metcalf if I would play him or not. I really, I really, I don't know as for Washington, JD McKissick. He, he, he looks incredible. He looks really good. Um, I doubt we see Antonio Gibson for them, at least for the rest of the regular season. Cause it's turf toe. This is an injury that is recurring. This is not something that just, you know, snap your fingers. Bam is healed. Uh, this is something that definitely lingers for the rest of the season. And, he has two very good matchups next week. JD uh, He has a very good matchup next week, J.D. McKissick, uh, against Carolina. And then Week 17, if you have Week 17 championships, he plays Philadelphia. So, overall, I think J.D. McKissick is a fantastic start. He'll be a top 24 play for me next week. I would fire him up, and I would continue to monitor, you know, what goes on with Antonio Gibson. But I doubt that we see Antonio Gibson next week. I, I highly, highly doubt it. He really did not give it much of a go to practice this week. So that's a bad sign right then and there, but just keep an eye out for the injury reports when they are released uh, on Wednesday, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, very good days for both of them. Logan Thomas talked about him at the top of the show. Fantastic here to fire him up here to play him next week as Carolina, Terry McLaurin, 12 targets for him. Dwayne Haskins. We all know the story there. College teammates at Ohio state. The rapport is absolutely there and a 14 point day for Terry McLaurin. Very good for him. You'll take that. It's a very floor play. He definitely, I don't think, broke your back in terms of uh, fantasy semifinals. I think that that was one that probably ended up being a solid start for you uh, in, in semifinal week. So we move on to the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, boy. Uh Wow, David Montgomery. Uh all, all it really took for him was Tariq Cohen to go down, and he is looking like that he's a legitimate RB2 option, if not, if not a low end RB one rest of the way. I mean w- w- 32 carries. Sheesh. Sheesh. Very good day for, for David Montgomery. Trubisky, solid day for him. Didn't kill you. Allen Robinson. Five targets. Granted, it was a game where the Bears, for the most part, they had control of this game. It wasn't like they were chasing. So Allen Robinson wasn't much uh part of the game plan there. Darnell Mooney was able to score the touchdown for the receivers here for the uh, Chicago Bears. Sucks if you own Allen Robinson. Look, it really sucks if you own him. And if you are not in your fantasy championships, uh, if you did get into fantasy championships, even with Allen Robinson laying an egg, then you're going to have a very, very good matchup next week against Jacksonville where Allen Robinson, I would put every dollar that I make on Allen Robinson scoring a touchdown in his return to Jacksonville. I would bet very, very, very large amounts of money that Allen Robinson scores next week.
1: Yeah. I would expect a nice bounce back from Allen Robinson. Just looking at what he's done since Mr. Trubisky has taken over again. I mean, he's been fantastic. And, I think this week, four for 83, it's not – it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Four for 83, like it's It's not a stat line that says, oh, my God, what happened? It's a stat. It's okay. This is a team that was winning the game. They were trying to run the ball a lot, obviously, 32 carries from Montgomery, eight carries from Trubisky. But he still got you the 83 yards because he's just so talented. Um, And, and going up against the Jaguars next week – I wouldn't be surprised if, if we see how Robinson, especially in the first half, just come out and dominate right away. Um, he's just so darn talented that I, it's just hard to keep him from, from scoring and from putting up big numbers, um, even in a matchup where they might end up running the ball a little bit more. Um,
0: yeah. As for Minnesota, Dalvin cook, had a Dalvin Cook kind of game. Not a huge surprise that Dalvin Cook was uh, very, very effective in in this matchup. Not a big surprise at all. Justin Jefferson, massive, massive game for him. But the real surprise was Adam Thielen. What happened? Three targets on this game for Adam Thielen in a game in which they were trailing? What? Uh, What happened?
1: No clue. I mean, he historically... This, this year when he played the Bears earlier in the year and scored two touchdowns was the, actually like the first time he's had a semi-decent game against the Bears. Historically, he has really, really struggled against that team. Um, but I think other than that, Justin Jefferson, it's hard not to throw him the ball because he's just so good. He's open all the time. <laughs> and so he's taking all the targets because he's just really that good
0: is Justin Jefferson the next, the new Stefan Diggs?
1: Ah, you know,
0: not in terms of talent. I understand two very different receivers, but in terms of being the thorn in the side to people that own Adam Thielen. And we're hoping that Adam Thielen would finally be the focal point for this passing game. uh Justin Jefferson has something to say about that.
1: Yeah. I think this year you saw for most of the year, Adam Thielen was, was that guy. And I mean, he has 13 touchdowns on the year. He's, He's 13 touchdowns on the year. He's been he's been pretty pretty good the whole year, but he is he is getting older. I mean, he's in his 30s now, and I think it's a little different than when it was Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen. You had two um, two receivers that were in their prime, just eating at each other's production. Where now you're going to have Justin Jefferson, I think, take over that clear cut number one, and Adam Thielen. I think now as he gets into his 30s, I think you're going to see him slow down a little bit more. Um, turn more into a, a slot guy that's going to thrive in the red zone. But um, I think Justin Jefferson it, next year is going to be the guy for them. Um, and I think you might get one more year of them eating at each other. And then I think, though, as, as Jefferson progresses and Thielen gets older, you're going to see it kind of start to shift more and more towards Jefferson as we go.
0: Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And I think, again, it, going back to the top of the show, it, Justin Jefferson is a fantastic buy low if you're looking at any potential keeper value for uh, 2021. I think that is definitely a yeah, fantastic, fantastic buy option in terms of a keeper because yep. you can get him, I would assume, relatively pretty cheap based on where he was drafted or not drafted. All right, Chris, we move on to the New York Jets and the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to cover the Rams very quickly, and then I am going to completely turn off my microphone, and I'm going to let you have a go with the New York Jets. I won't
1: go crazy with it.
0: You could say whatever you want to say. How about that? Because Adam would probably do the same exact thing, so I'm going to let you have your opportunity to shine. So, Robert Woods. Great day for him. 21.6 fantasy points. Robert Woods is Robert Woods. You know what you're getting from him at this point. Tyler Higby, the resurgence of Tyler Higby, 16.7 fantasy points scored in this contest against the Jets, who are terrible against tight ends. Not a huge surprise. Cooper Cup, Cam Akers. Wow. Um, Cam Akers, this is a result of a negative game script mainly. Uh, It just got to a point where the Rams had to abandon the run and just start throwing the ball. So the 7.2 from Cam Akers was not a surprise. Did get into the end zone, would have had a uh, a better output if it wasn't for the holding penalty that brought that back. So uh, it's a shame for anybody that started uh, Cam Akers against what should have been a very nice matchup versus the New York Jets. But the one thing that the Jets do really, really well, if you're talking about the Jets and is they they defend the run. They stop the run really, really well. So I'm not sure it was a huge surprise that Cam Akers didn't exactly have the most efficient day in the world. But Cooper Cup, only five catches on five targets. That just makes no sense to me in a game where he should have been able to produce top end numbers, given the game script as well, which makes it even more surprising that Cooper Cup definitely laid an egg in this matchup. But now, Chris, we get to the New York Jets. Take it away, sir.
1: I mean, it's just it's just unfortunate because it's hard to sit there and root for your team to lose. And I think earlier in the year, I wasn't as much as much as I was like, oh, yeah, I want them to lose, get Trevor Lawrence. It was a little easier for me to say, oh, if they win, I'll be kind of happy. But we were so close. So 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 close, where we could have been zero and fourteen, just ready to accept Trevor Lawrence if he chose to come out, and and chose to play for the New York Jets. We were just so close. Um, it's it's just so unfortunate. It just it's one of those. It just doesn't even make sense. We beat the NFC West leading Rams. Who are one of the more, aside from Jared Goff, one of the more complete teams in the NFC in terms of they have an they have a really good defense, and they have a good offense. They're one of the most well coached teams in the NFL, and they come in and they lose to the one of the worst head coaches in NFL history. It just blows my mind. I mean, now it becomes a question: is what? It was obvious. If the Jets get the number one pick, I mean you're taking Trevor Lawrence. It was just so clear. But now it's what do you do? Do you take Fields at two or do you keep Darnold and take Sewell, the tackle? Or trade the pick? Now the the question marks, there's just so many, and now Joe Douglas has so many different paths to choose from it's like how do you make a choice where it was so easy at first it's you get the number one pick and you get trevor lawrence and it's not even a question that's it's easy um but now it's just what what do you what do you even do um of course there is still hopefully i I think we have one chance left the jaguars have to lose have to beat the the bears next week i don't think there's any chance they go and beat indianapolis and sweep the season series the week after so it's going to be next week against the bears We're going to need Gardner Minshew to beat Mitchell Trubisky, which it's not entirely outlandish, but probably won't happen. Um, Adam Gase should be crowned an enemy of the state. He should be an enemy of the state at this point. I mean, and, and I love you, Frank Gore, but just don't get the first down there, man. Just don't get the first down. Oh. Just sit down right before the line. Let's punt it away and and, and, and let's let what happened against Oakland happen again. The I Jets mean, jetted this. I mean, yeah. They, they, it's it's one thing to be really bad, and then it's another thing entirely to be bad at being bad.
0: They're terrible. At that's being what bad. they
1: and that's what they showed. It's. I will say though, the only positive I can take from this game is Mike Backden is just an absolute stud. Wow. But Kai Becton is going – Is if if he stays healthy, he will be one of the best tackles in the league. He was going toe-to-toe with Aaron Donald at times in this past game, and he was handling him and was by himself, which no one does. No. No one. Um, he's fantastic. And Quinton Williams is, is really good too. So at least on each side of the ball, there is a guy that I think the Jets can build around.
0: But, but they need a quarterback.
1: They do need a quarterback. They need a quarterback. And 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 I think right now they probably will take Justin Fields, just because he is he does offer I think a little bit more um, versatility wise, obviously than Darnold. But Darnold, we know what's going to happen if we let Darnold go. He's going to go somewhere, and he's going to be good. That's what's going to happen. We talked about this. Guarantee. It's a guarantee.
0: we said, you know, I, and, you know, there are all sorts of reports about, you know, what the deal is with Michael Thomas and whether or not there's any beef between him and the Saints, him and Drew Brees, whatever. But if the Jets, who have a lot, and I mean capital, a lot of cap space, decide to call up the Saints and say, hey, we need a number one receiver for our new quarterback, whether it is Justin Fields, whether it is Trevor Lawrence, and they decide to pull a deal together where the Jets take on that massive contract of Michael Thomas and the Saints get their quarterback of the future in Sam Darnold. You know, that could be something that works out for for both sides. And it would, I think, kill Jets fans to see Sam Darnold working with, in my opinion, the best offensive-minded coach in football in Sean Payton in terms of getting his guys to consistently deliver and getting the best out of his guys and figuring out how each guy can help his football team in terms of what they are best at. That's what Sean Payton does.
1: I agree 100%. It, it, that would really hurt. But at the same time, I think Sam Darnold in terms of obviously Adam Gase has, has really contributed to him just not improving at all. And we've seen what happens when a quarterback with talent leaves Adam Gase and goes elsewhere um, Mr. Ryan Tannehill, who's having a fantastic time handing the ball off to Derrick Henry and throwing to AJ Brown and Corey Davis, easy job, pretty easy job, I will say. But um, I think, in terms of just this this city now, I think Donald's time is up. I, I don't I don't see a way in which mentally he'll be able to uh, gain that confidence back here. I, I think he's got to go. So even if we give him there, getting. Michael Thomas in return would of course be a huge for us to, to add with Justin Fields, but I think um, if that doesn't happen, I think the Jets got to do their part um, to try and get Allen Robinson away from the Bears and, and and try to get him to sign there because as good Crowder's good, Mims looks like he's going to be good, but getting yourself a bona fide number one wide receiver like Allen Robinson. Now you're talking about a receiving core that's 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 actually formidable. That's a good receiving core, Robinson, Mims, and Crowder.
0: Please don't say Alan Robinson. I beg you. He's my love. He's not a jet. Stay away. Please. All right. Philadelphia. He becomes one. No, please, God, no. Philadelphia and the Arizona Cardinals. Man, oh, man, was this actually a football game? I was very, very, very surprised. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Wow, wow, oh wow, oh wow. Um, I don't know if Carson Wentz was exactly the problem with Philadelphia, but it sure as hell looks like Jalen Hurts is the answer for Philadelphia. And wow, he, I tell you what, I don't know if he's someone that I see necessarily translating to be a star. In the NFL, I don't know if he is of the level. If we're talking about quarterbacks that are similar to him, of a Deshaun Watson or a Kyler Murray in terms of the same kind of hybrid style of quarterback. But man, the, the, the kid makes plays. The kid makes plays, and, and you you can't deny that. And you could talk about the negative game script all you want, and the fact that you know they had to completely abandon the run and you know throw their way back into this this ball game, but sheesh sheesh what a day from jalen hurts and not exactly the most efficient passing performance in the world just over 50 uh passing in this game but hey got the rushing touchdown three passing touchdowns good day from uh from jalen hurts uh greg ward solid enough day two touchdowns for him on four catches talk about efficiency 50 percent of his receptions were Were touchdowns, Miles Sanders, Dud, Zach Ertz, Dud, Dallas Goddard, Dud almost, almost had a touchdown, Dallas Goddard, right in his hands and he just completely completely dropped it. But uh, outside of Jalen Hurts, there really isn't anybody that, you know, wows me from Philadelphia in terms of uh, who they play next week in, in Dallas. Jalen Hurts, I would start him. Miles Sanders, I would start him. Outside of that, though, I would not be starting anybody else for the Philadelphia Eagles and Arizona. I mean, you got what we've been waiting for, I think, for the better part of the last month with Kyler Murray. He finally came back after completely killing people. So if you made playoffs with Kyler Murray, congratulations, because he odds are won you a fantasy fantasy semifinal. Same with DeAndre Hopkins. Chase Edmonds, nice day for him. Caught a touchdown. Larry Fitzgerald caught a touchdown as well. Uh, Kenyon Drake laid an egg. And I think that that is all the confirmation that we need that Kyler Murray is back that when they got anywhere close to the red zone or anything like that, where it wasn't Kyler Murray taking charge and getting outside the pocket making plays with his legs, it was going to be Kenyon Drake that got the ball and he didn't, he didn't in this matchup. It was all Kyler Murray. So um, in terms of your Cardinals, Chris, I think you're you're firing up Kyler Murray, you're firing up DeAndre Hopkins, and anybody else after that is just a crapshoot.
1: Yeah, I think you're you're fi- you're definitely firing up Murray Brian Hopkins, of course. Edmonds, I think you you can get away with just because he will get some receiving work. Um, and I think he might see an uptick in carries because Kenyon Drake flat out stinks. Uh,
0: Kenyon, yes.
1: Kenyon Drake's complete bust this year. He just has not looked good and it's not even I wouldn't even chunk it up to the offense not being able to create holes for him because when Chase Edmonds in the game he looks good yeah so I I, I think I think he um, he's I don't don't know if he's done but I mean that's just a committee at this point I will say Jalen Hurts just fantastic though I I just just quick notes on him I I watched a lot of that game um, and the beginning of the game, they went down, I believe, 16 nothing, very quickly. It was like in the blink of an eye, and it wasn't really on Jalen Hurts. They had a couple penalties. Um, he, he did cause them a safety by throwing the ball out of bounds, but, I mean, he, he made the right play getting rid of it, just didn't get to the line of scrimmage. You know, you're not going to kill the guy for that. Um, but after that, I mean, holy crap. He was unbelievable. And, and the thing with him, too, is – you look at his carries, eleven carries for sixty-three yards. It's a lot of rushing. Um, he didn't really take any hits. I mean, his rushes were—he's get—he's so fast, and he—he he was able to just run. He wasn't even like running to the outside of the pocket. He was running right up the gut and just gashing the Cardinals defense for big chunks of yards. Um, He—he's just really good. He's really good. He can throw. He can throw the ball. He's got a—he's got a very good arm. Um, his accuracy has been what surprised me the most too. I mean, twenty four of forty four, of course, like you said, it's not, it's not great. But I mean, you also have to look at what he's working with. Yeah. In a banged up Zach Ertz uh, and Alshon Jeffrey, who's had more injuries than yards and touchdowns in the past year. Jalen Rigor, who, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not sure if he's all that. Philadelphia like
0: Eagles took Jalen Rieger to over Justin Jefferson.
1: Yeah. He, he looks like he's just struggling to get open. Um, Fulgham has completely fallen off. I mean, yeah. it's just, who's he really throwing to? And he's still throwing for 338 yards and three touchdowns. So yeah, he, he looks great.
0: Yeah, he, de- he definitely does. And he's someone that, again, you're going to fire up next week when he takes on the, uh, the Cowboys. Oh, uh, definitely in big day. You're de- absolutely 1000% firing him up. Um, some would call it game of the week, maybe on paper, um, but it just turned out that the Kansas City Chiefs are just a level above everybody else. KC, New Orleans, uh, day at the office, really, for the, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes, 25 fantasy points, kind of does that in his sleep. Travis Kelsey, monster day from him. Tyree Kill, very good day. Uh, Le'Veon Bell finally scored a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. It looks like that he is going to be a big-time piece for Kansas City as they continue to uh, move on and try and clinch a number one seed in the AFC with Clyde Edwards-Alaire picking up what they are calling a hip or a leg injury. They haven't said exactly what it is yet, but odds are he will be out for the remainder of the regular season with the hope that Clyde Edwards-Alaric can come back and be healthy enough for fantasy playoffs, excuse me, fantasy playoffs for the regular uh, playoffs. But, uh, well, Le'Veon Bell, he is, I think we've been waiting for that guy in terms of who is the waiver ad that you could pick up right now and will help you, no doubt, in the long run, get you a fantasy championship. I think we have that guy now in Le'Veon Bell. He is that guy that if you're in a fantasy championship this week and you're looking for a no brainer pickup, if he's available, he's owned in about 57.5% of leagues. So if you're in one of the 42.5% of leagues, Le'Veon Bell is, is is your guy. He really, he really is your guy. Go pick him up. Please, 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 please. And he'll be talked about tomorrow. On the waiver show. As for New Orleans, ah, uh, Drew Brees looked bad. Yeah, Drew Brees looked bad.
1: Yeah, I think he in the first half you could tell that he wasn't one hundred percent, and that I think he he was guarding himself a little bit that he didn't look. He just didn't look like himself, but he, he did pick it up. I mean, this this team took the lead, twenty one to fifteen, or I believe it was twenty one to fifteen. Twenty yeah, took it was twenty one fifteen. Um, and in the second half, I mean, and it looked like, oh, okay, this is going to be a game, but I mean, the, the the Chiefs are just one of these teams that no matter what the score of the game is. I'm never even concerned that they're going to lose. I, I, they no. they could be losing by two scores, three scores. It's just I, whenever they need to score, they score. It just seems to happen. It, it, there's nothing you can do. I, Tyree Kill is just too explosive. Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in football. Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Well, how do you how do you stop that? Even if with the Saints being one of the best defenses in the league.
0: You don't. Very simple. No. You, you, you don't stop that. You're, you're basically hoping that the Chiefs just come out and have a down day to hopefully try and beat them. And they, they, they've played one bad half of football all year. And I think people forget that. The first half against the Raiders at Arrowhead, they laid an egg. And that's been it. They've played one terrible half of football all year long. And that just goes to show you what you have when you have Patrick Mahomes, when you have Tyreek Hill, when you have Travis Kelsey, you you even have that defense, which is a bend, don't break defense. And it works because you have when that defense lets up a big play or if they let up a, a, there's a long scoring drive, Patrick Mahomes and crew go on the field Four minutes. They march down the field. They score. So it, it's just kind of like, you know, how how do you handle that? How do you try and stop that? And the answer is you don't. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be very interesting in terms of what happens with the chiefs when I don't want to say inevitably, because we said this last year with offensive coordinator, Eric Beniemi, potentially getting a head coaching job. But if he does get a head coaching job, what does this offense look like potentially next year? I think that's the only question that you have with the Chiefs. Other than that, I mean, for the rest of this year, they're locked and loaded. They're favorites to win the Super Bowl. They absolutely deserve to be favorites to win the Super Bowl. And you're firing up in terms of fantasy championships next week. As for the Saints, I think the only Saint that you could trust next week is Alvin Kamara. I think that's it. You are not trusting Drew Brees. You are not trusting any of these receivers or the tight ends or anything like that. By the way, and this is something that I – literally found out over the weekend we have christmas day football which is nuts which is nuts. is that a that's got to be a present from santa
1: yeah i mean this is that's in in a in a year where we really need it too yes we we, we need christmas day football that is a (laughs) gift
0: that is a gift from saint nick himself thank you santa for that and then the final game on the docket for today it is the Cleveland Browns and the New York football Giants. Um, the Giants were bad. Don't start the Giants. Especially if Colt McCoy is the guy because they look they looked bad. As for Cleveland, I'll keep this short and sweet because we will wrap this up. We know this has gone long. Whoa, wow. Um, Baker Mayfield has really, really, really surprised me over the last month or so. Yeah, great. I would say, in terms of form, in terms of how he's played over the last month, there may not be a better quarterback in football than Baker Mayfield right now.
1: Uh, I mean...
0: In, in terms of the last month,
1: and you think he's had the best month of uh, yeah yes. I, I, yes. yeah i mean he he's he's been he's been great he had of course this this past week i mean 27 32 297 2 touchdowns it's really good especially against a tough stingy giants defense um, it, he of course the titans game i mean they just came out and he just went off in the first half of course um, and, and played really well so yeah, it, it's and it raises the question, of course, of is this team better off without Odell Beckham? I in think their they're receiving are. core. And I mean, I think the answer is obvious. It's right in front of you. It's yes. Yep. <laughs> it's yes. I, I don't it's think yes. Baker needs him out there. And I think that the target, uh, the targets that he demands, are almost putting pressure on Baker Mayfield. Where now he comes out and he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna come out. I'm gonna throw to my guy Jarvis because you know." He's been my guy since I got here. Yeah, uh, I got Hooper over here, Donovan Peoples Jones, Rashard Higgins, who he's clearly shown he has a pretty good rapport with over the past couple of years,
0: and he's talented um, too. He's talented.
1: Yeah. So why why force all of these targets to go towards Odell Beckham when it's not working for this team? So I, I yeah, it's 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 tough because we know Odell is is definitely still very talented. But in terms of how, how he fits onto the Browns, I think it, he doesn't.
0: He doesn't fit. No, I don't think he does. And if you're if you're a team like the New York Jets, where you need a receiver, do you potentially trade a third or a fourth round pick to Cleveland if all else fails and you can't sign anybody in free agency? Or do you go with what you have in Crowder, Mims, and whomever else you draft. I mean, I, I think the Jets, you are got to be looking at another receiver at the very least to be drafted, where you're talking about, you know, if you're going into next year with the receiving core of receiver X that you draft in the first or second round, Denzel Mims and Jamison Crowder, it's not a, it's not a terrible core to work with, especially if that receiver is a high draft pick. You know, if we're talking about me spending the Seattle draft pick that they have in the Jamal Adams trade, you know, if they go get a receiver like that. But in terms of Odell Beckham, I don't know how the hell the Browns are going to get that contract off. I don't know what they're going to get. I don't know who's going to want them. I mean, it could be something that the Browns just go and say, you know what, we'll just eat the money on him. And you know that just sort of be that because yeah. I gr- I agree with you, Chris. He he just is not a fit for this team. He's not a fit for what they want to do or what they want to be.
1: So yeah, I agree.
0: At the end of the day, Odell is probably not going to be back in Cleveland next year. I think that's blatantly obvious, especially with who they have as their head coach and Kevin Stefanski, where they want to be a more run first team, and then use the run to open things up for the passing game. That's what they want to do. That's the Cleveland Browns. Um, So in terms of who you're starting next week in fantasy championships, look, you're starting Baker Mayfield against the Jets. He's a fantastic dream. I would go and get him everywhere I possibly can. Nick Chubb, you're starting. Kareem Hunt, you could probably start and get away with it. Jarvis Landry, you're starting. Rashard Higgins in deeper leagues, you can start. Austin Hooper, fantastic start. They just got Tyler Higby carved up the Jets' defense. Start Austin Hooper. Completely, completely fine. Um, And then outside of that, You know, the Browns, they can win people championships next week.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So that is going to be it for the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show Week 15 review. Chris, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. It was a very, very long long and drawn-out show, but you know what? This is what we uh, what we do. We're here to we're here to comfort we're here to comfort those that did not make it out of week fifteen, and we're here to celebrate those that actually did make it out of week fifteen, which was of course an ass backwards week. And we will be having Chris back on in the future because we do have some off season stuff planned on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. So that's going to be absolutely wonderful. So um, definitely, please go check out the Basement Talk Podcast. You're already here for the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. If you want to listen to any of the episodes, they are all available. Uh, Basement Talk Podcast Debate and, of course, the Basement Talk Podcast Quisitational, all on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google as well. So, for Chris, I'm Bird.
1: Bye-bye.